Uh, anyway, we're glad that you're here this morning uh, for Heart Exam. I, I love our band, and, and Bob already mentioned, but I think it goes without mentioning, just the, the hard work, the dedication the band puts in week in, week out. And the thing I love is they do a good job at what they do. Uh, but beyond that, their heart for, for worship, and, and not just uh, engaging us in worship as, as a crowd, but also their individual worship. It's so powerful and it's so real. I had a chance to go with some of them yesterday. Some of them led worship at another event at a local church. And just to see them try to engage with, with the crowd as a different crowd and as a leadership training event, and to see them engage and, and, and try to share what they're doing in their individual lives with, with all of us, it's so powerful and it's, it's so real. And there's something so cool about worship. Um, I love... Bobby said earlier, as you, as you prayed, uh, as you up here kind of hosting, just got to thank you for already being here. And, and, and we're glad that you're here. We're glad you're part of this. We're, we love what the band does. And in fact, this morning, as, as Kyle was playing, he was playing an instrument. It's, if you've been around Ridgepoint for a while, maybe you haven't seen this before. It's, for us, it's new. It's actually a really, really old guitar. Uh, Kyle's great-grandfather purchased that guitar back in 1953. He bought it for his grandfather. And uh, the guitar was, was used for a while. He bought it at Sears of all places, and he used it for a while. Eventually, upgraded to something bigger and, and badder, and eventually it sat idle for over 20 years. And Kyle says, growing up, he can remember uh, seeing that guitar in a case in a shed for, like, decades. And fairly recently, in the last couple of months, his grandfather pulled that guitar out, and he kind of took it apart, fixed some things up, and, and then put it back together. And so this is the first time that guitar is being used in a setting like this, probably in at least 30 years. So it's incredible how God can have this kind of legacy and how that thing can continue from one person to the next. And today, as we kind of talk through this idea, we started a series last week called Heart Exam. And, and Heart Exam, if, if you know anything about physical heart exams, it's kind of taking a picture of where your heart is right now. And then it's saying, okay, now that you know where you're at, now you have an honest assess- assessment of where you're at physically, here's some things you should probably do to fix that. Well, spiritually, we want this series right here to be about engaging our heart, figuring out where it's at, and then coming up with a plan of action to say, okay, if, if we have some areas in our life where we've made some mistakes, or we have some areas in our life that are like red flags are being raised, what do I need to do to make sure the Bible speaks our, about our heart as kind of a seed of our emotion and our passions and and in, even in, in biblical days, it's a seed of kind of their thought process. And so if, if spiritually speaking, our heart is that important, then this series is about taking assessment of where our heart is and saying, what do we have to do to make ourselves more healthy? Last week was pivotal. Uh, if you didn't get a chance last week to, uh, to be here, I know it's vacation, summer, people have taken vacations, all of that stuff that's happening. I would really encourage you to go back and check out the podcast uh, this past week, we had some issues with our website. We actually have a new website up and running. We're working through some, some different things. So if you missed it earlier on in the week, everything's up and running now. It's a new website. The podcasting is much, much easier. As of right now, you can only get the podcast on the website. You can't get it through iTunes. That will happen soon. But I encourage you to go check it out. The website's kind of under construction for the next couple of weeks, but it's really sharp uh, and very easy to check out the podcast. So go ahead and do that because last week was really, we began this series by talking about how important it is right now, before we begin to create filters in our life. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 8 says, whatever things are pure, honest, just, uh, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, we should be trying to dwell on those things. And I talked about this idea that if we create a filter in our life and we say the only things that we want to come through that filter are things that are true and are pure and are holy and are just, it is going to change our mindset for how we deal with people. It's going to change our attitude. It's going to change our focus. And so it's really important, even for people who say, J.J., I've made so many mistakes. I've messed up so much. My heart has been damaged. We said, that's, that's, that's cool. That's fine. That's, that's all of us. 
But last week we said that just because a heart's been damaged doesn't mean a heart's been destroyed. And so it's pivotal for all of us to create healthy filters in our life and to create strategic filters in our life to preserve that healthiness. And so we do that. In Proverbs 4, it talked about that it's important for us to guard our hearts. Being careful what we put into our life. Being careful about the relationships that we pursue. Being careful about the conversations that we engage in. Being careful about the, the, the media that we absorb. Being careful to say, I know that my heart has value. I know that it has importance. And so because of that, I want to guard my heart with everything that I have. Because if I do that, I'm going to prevent some of these problems that could come if I don't do it. At the end, we concluded talking about this idea that as, as parents, and for those of us who are in, in the crowd that are, that are parents, we realize we want to filter things from our children, especially as they're younger growing up. We want to create a filter so they don't have to deal with some of the, just the stuff that's out there, the hurt and the pain and, and, and the agony that life sometimes brings. And we want to filter stuff from their life. We think because our heart's been damaged that we're already kind of past that phase. But the same way we watch out for our children, God, our Heavenly Father, is watching out for us and saying, your heart is just as valuable. Your heart is just as important. If you've been hurt, if, you've been, if you think your life has no value, we're here to tell you that it does have value. Your, your heart is worth guarding no matter where you're at. But as we make a transition, we start to talk about, okay, what about, I know we should have a filter, but there's some things in my life right now that I know that shouldn't be there. What do I do to pull those things out of my life? And that's what the next four weeks are about. It's important to have a filter that prevents some of the pain, but, but honestly, some of us physically, we grew up, we made some mistakes earlier in life, and we're paying for those mistakes. So what do I do if I already have some of those errors in my life, some of those mistakes in my life, what do I do to fix those things? Well, the next four weeks we're going to talk about it, and they're not like big, hairy, ugly sins. It's not, uh, the Bible says anything that we do that misses God's mark is, is what the Bible calls sin. And, and sometimes it's obvious, and sometimes it's blatant, and, and everybody can see it when we make some big mistakes. But more often than not, the mistakes that we make aren't big things where everyone sees. A lot of times our, our heart issues are our core issues, things that honestly nobody sees. But we allow things like maybe jealousy or anger to build up in our life. We allow resentment or, or cynicism to build up. And no one sees it at first. And if we're honest, we probably don't see it ourselves. But our heart sits there for a little bit. And our heart stews. And we don't see the damage that we're doing. And so this series is about looking into some of those core sins. Again, they're not big and, and obvious, but they're core sins. And today we're going to pick up on the first of those we're going to talk through guilt, something I think is often misunderstood. I'm actually going to help define this a little bit because we talk about guilt because that's kind of what everyone throws out there now, but there's actually a difference we'll get to in a little bit between guilt and shame. But, but we're talking about this idea of guilt or shame, and I'll use those terms kind of synonymously, but we're really talking about shame. And, and we live, and, and I think it's important for all of us to realize that part of the reason why we live with this is because we think we're the only ones who've made these mistakes or worse yet, maybe something happened to us. Maybe it was, it was nothing that we did before. It was something that happened to us. And so because of that, maybe it's been five years, 10 years, 15 years. Maybe it's 20 years ago you made a mistake or something happened to you. And today you're still living in the midst of that shame. And you've never been able to get past that. I think that shame in our life is, is when we talk about the four things we're going to talk about, guilt slash shame is the most elusive. It's the hardest to see. But if we're not careful, it's also the most corrosive. It's the most damaging. 
And so we're going to talk through this idea of, of guilt and shame. We're going to talk about how we're not, in this, uh, you know, we're not in this alone. There are people that are going through life with us that can be an encouragement to us. Because, because here's what happens. When, when we make mistakes, we think we're the only ones that ever made this mistake. And everyone else is watching us and pointing at us and laughing at us. And no one else is dealing with this. I'm the only one. And because of that, I feel alone. And it's important for us at the very beginning, at the very outset, to say we are all guilty. See, God has this mark out there, this, this, this mark that we're aiming at. And anything we do that misses that mark, the Bible calls it sin. And because of that, because that mark is very precise and we are not. We've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. And we are all guilty, but it doesn't mean we all have to live in that guilt. When I was in, when I was in third grade, I remember this day, and it's so crazy. This was like 30 years ago, but I remember this day. We're out, I was, I was going to a small private school and, and there was, we didn't have like a grass area out back to go for PE. We had like a blacktop uh, parking lot out in the back. And we're playing kickball, which if you're playing kickball on a blacktop and, you, and you're really good at kickball, it's awesome because the ball will bounce and just keep bouncing forever. And so we're out there and we're playing kickball and I didn't really have a whole lot else in my life that I really cared about. Uh, in third grade, girls to me were still kind of icky, like I'm, I'm not going in and, and doing that. And, and, and school was okay, but it wasn't really my, my passion pursuit. So I loved sports and I was good at sports. And one of the things that I love to do is be able to help others out as they're playing sports. I've played a lot of sports. So as we're out of PE and there's some people who are not quite as athletic, they're gifted in other areas, but not in sports. And so I try to help them out and try to give them, you know, try to encourage them, say, hey, here's the rules, here's how this game works. And so I'm out there and I'm playing kickball. And we had, I remember that she was this little girl. Like when we're out there playing kickball, she was really, third grade, she was really small, eight years old. And, and the kickball was probably as big as she was. And, and so we put her over on second base, figure if the ball's kicked to second base, it's a short shot to first base and she can maybe make the ball there. So she's playing second base and I'm, I'm over playing shortstop. And, and I, was, I was sure that the previous play, uh, the kicker, the guy who kicked the ball got on first base, but, but I was wrong. He was on second base. And so the, the next ball is kicked, and it's kicked right to this girl, and I want to help her out. And so she picks up the ball. I mean, she feels it cleanly. It was, it was awesome. She picks up the ball, and she goes to throw it to first base, which for her is like taking her whole body, lift the ball over her head, and, and throw it to first base. And I'm like, no, don't throw it. Just go tag second, thinking we'll get a, a force out at second, get the guy on first out at second. And she looks at me like, uh, like I have like two heads. And I'm thinking, she just doesn't know the rules. I got it. Come on, just all you got to do is stand a second. The player will be out. And so she looks like, that's dumb, but okay, I'll go do it. And she runs over to second base, and she stands on second base, and she looks, and the coach looks. And I'm like, the coach looks at me like, what are you doing? And I look, and there's no one on first base, and she's standing on second base, and everybody else is kind of running. I'm like, man, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but the girl that doesn't know anything about sports knew a whole lot more than I did at that moment. And so small and so minor, and yet 30 years later, I remember just thinking, I, I just messed up, and everyone's going to laugh at me. Our mistakes are often like that. We make mistakes, and a lot of times our mistakes are much bigger than that. And we think everyone else is pointing and laughing, and we're living with the shame of having made mistakes. And in those bigger issues, in those, those, those life issues that we face, Jesus comes, and he speaks truth, and he says he wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to live with the guilt and, and, and the shame that comes with our mistakes. So real quick as we define this, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between guilt and shame. Uh, there's someone much, much smarter than me. I was doing some research. I looked at some different people and what they had to say about guilt and shame. There's a guy uh, by the name of, of Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw, but another guy by the name of Bradshaw who did some research on this. His name's John Bradshaw. Difference between guilt and shame, he says this. Guilt says, 
I've done something wrong, while shame says there's something wrong with me. Guilt says I've made a mistake, while shame says I am a mistake. Guilt says what I did was no good, shame says I am no good. So we have these three quotes up there, and if if I could put this kind of in ridge point terms, I would say it this way. Guilt says I screwed up. Shame says I'm a screw up. You see, for so many of us, we allow our past actions to define who we are. And we think just because we made a mistake, that mistake will will forever define who I am. And now everyone's looking at me and it's obvious and everyone sees the mistakes I made. And everyone's pointing and laughing and saying the word no good. This is so true. Guilt says I've done something wrong. Listen, each one of these begins with a confession. We've all made mistakes, and part of our healthiness is admitting those mistakes. I think especially when it comes to guilt, a lot of us, especially as guys, we tend to not realize the mistakes we made, and we live with the guilt and the shame, not even knowing where it's coming from. That's why it's so elusive. Guilt and shame is so elusive. But guilt says I've done something wrong, and we need to confess that and move on. But shame says I'm going to forever sit in that guilt And I'm not going to move on because I'm going to allow my past actions or I'm going to allow something that happened to me to start to define who I am. It's not healthy. It's not good because we've all made mistakes. And part of the freedom that we're looking for in Christ, part of the freedom that we we aspire for is realize these mistakes that we made, and they're real and, and, and sometimes they're obvious, but they don't have to define us. There's a pastor out in California. His name's Rick Warren. And Rick Warren said this, and it was so crazy because we were doing kind of prepping for this. And Thursday night I was sitting here and uh, was with the band practicing, and I saw something he put up on Facebook. And he said this, guilt is feeling bad about what we've done. Shame is feeling bad about who we are. The grace of Jesus frees us from both. There are a lot of churches, and, and God bless them, are trying to do the right thing, but they try to just make their people feel guilty and they try to tear them down. And, 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 and I saw just an obvious example of that this week. Uh, just a video that's online of a church that did that and, and it was ugly. And we try to ha- have people kind of wallow in their guilt. But Jesus came to free us up from guilt and shame, to give us a freedom to serve him, to give our best. And the only way we do that is to get rid of those things that, are, that, that need to be put behind us. As I look throughout Scripture, and the Bible has a lot to say about this idea of guilt versus shame and, and, and how we shouldn't live in guilt or shame. But I think the best passage I could, could think about as we started to get ready for this series was found in Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul's writing a, a letter to the church at Corinth, and as he, uh, to the church at Rome. And as he's writing this letter... Uh, he's, he's speaking directly in, in chapter 7 about that there's a battle that's taking place. And as a battle's taking place, it's happening between our flesh and our spirit. And, and our flesh is trying to tell us one thing, and it's trying to control us. And our spirit saying, no, there's a better way. And there's a fight that's going on, and the battle is always there. And Paul says that, man, I want to do good, but I don't do good. And he says that I don't want to do bad, but I keep doing bad. And here's the danger with guilt and shame is that it's kind of cyclical in our life is that we want to do the right thing. We want to make the right choices. And and we think that that, that our our right choices are going to somehow outweigh the the wrong choices that we make. And and so we we get on a a path. We make these mistakes. We say, okay, I need to fix those mistakes. And so I'm just going to get better at what I do. And so we start doing better for a little bit. But all it takes is for us to screw up one more time and we get off track. And and we, we end up in a cycle where we're doing okay for a season. And then we mess up and, and we're destroyed and, and it kills our self-worth and it kills our value. 
And then eventually we get tired of that and we start trying to do better again. And, and we think that somehow because of the things that I do, my good is somehow going to outweigh my bad and it's going to fix all of this. We continue to stew in the guilt and the shame and the mistakes that we made. See, the Bible, if we break it up into two testaments, Old and New Testament, or two covenants, Old and New, new Covenant, uh, we, we have these, these ideas. In, in, in the Old Testament, you have the law that's given. There's a whole bunch of rules. And there are a lot of people that thought that if I just obey all of the rules, if I just do everything right, then all my righteousness is going to work out in the end for my benefit. And, and honestly, if we move into the New Testament, the churches today, a lot of people think the same thing. If I keep doing the right thing and if I keep trying to, to make my own way and, and do the right thing, then it's all going to weigh out in the end and my good's going to outweigh my bad. And it doesn't work that way because the Bible says if we're guilty of one, we're guilty of all. And if we're guilty, and maybe it's not that big, bad sin, but the Bible says maybe don't commit murder. But Jesus says that if, if we hate, it's the same thing. Maybe we don't commit adultery, but Jesus says if you look after a woman with lust, you've done the same thing. And so we're all guilty. And there's this, this conflicting law, which we'll get to in verse 2 today, that says because we're guilty, there's, there's a challenge that we face. But before we ever get there, the most liberating words we're going to read this morning is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, therefore, there is, there is that, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We are all guilty. Every one of us, we're guilty, and, and we deserve punishment. We deserve all the punishment that comes, uh, and that's why Jesus' sacrifice is so powerful and so important. But God speaks into that situation and says, there's, the, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know that in, in our root, in our church, we're trying to reach out and trying to be a part of, of what God's doing. And, and sometimes it means people are coming that are following Christ, and sometimes it means that, that they're not, and that's cool. We're glad that you're here. But here, speaking directly to those who are following Christ, saying, if, if you made that decision, if you follow Christ, even though we make mistakes, even though we deserve guilty, a guilty verdict, here he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. I deserve that. I've made mistakes, and because of my mistakes, I've messed up. And God could look at me and say, J.J., I was expecting you to, to hit this mark, and you haven't done that. And because of that, you've missed out, and you're guilty. But Jesus speaks into that situation. He says, but because of what I've done, I'm going to set you free. Now, we're going to get into this text, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right from the get-go. Uh, it, it's going to get heavy real quick. Paul, when he's writing in the book of Romans, Romans it gets heavy real quick. There's, there's a lot of content in there. I don't have time in, in a half hour to go through all of this verse by verse and go really, really deep into it. I encourage you to do that. If you want to have some of those discussions, we're going to, we're going to do that. But what I want us to get as we lay it out is verses 1 through 5 is kind of the meat of what we're talking about and how do we deal with, with this issue of condemnation and guilt and shame? How do I deal with that? Then verses 6 through 8 is, okay, now that I've figured out how this whole thing works, how do I respond to that? So if, if you would, verses 1 through 5, as we get into this, is kind of the teaching where we're going. And then verses 6 through 8 is the outcome of the teaching. So verse 1 says, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 4, verse 2 says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. One of the things, there are a few things in life that we really, really want. We mass them behind other things. We think, if I buy this, or if I get this, if I just have that flat screen TV, or if I have that car, or if I have that house, those things are going to bring satisfaction. In reality, there are a couple of things in life that we're really aspiring for. If we're able to take a a deep look into our hearts and and really figure out what's really making us tick, one of the things that we're aspiring for is we want to have freedom. 
And here's there's a conflicting law. It's the first one, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. That's what we're longing for. We don't want the, the chains that come with guilt and shame. We don't want the hurt that comes with guilt and shame. And sometimes we're hurting and we don't even know why we're hurting because we've never taken that proper exam. We've never figured out what's going on. We just know somewhere deep inside my heart's been hurt. And I'm not, I'm not able to trust, I'm not able to love, I'm not able to do these things because of the hurt and the shame in the past. The law of the spirit of life has set us free. Not because of our own works, not because of our merit. This law has set us free because of Christ Jesus. From the law, and it set us free from the law of sin and death. And the Old Testament law was given as pointing out our, our need for some sort of redemption. The law was given and it's simply pointing the way we've all made mistakes because of mistakes. Those mistakes separate us from God. But in the end of Romans 7, it talks about thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that he's given us that, that path to God. He's given us freedom. And so the law of the spirit of, of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the other law, the law of sin and death, which pointed out our need for redemption, our need for uh, the Savior. Verse 2 is, is hitting on that. Uh, down to verse 3. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Uh, the, the law was given, and I want us to get that even as the law is given, sometimes there are people that kind of bash on the Old, the Old Testament law, all the stuff that went with it. It's not bad. In fact, Paul calls the law holy and just and good. The law pointed to our need for Jesus. The law was done in such a way to make us aware that we all make mistakes. We all have those screw-ups in our life, but those screw-ups don't need to define us because Jesus enters into the middle of our mess. And he changes who we are, and he gives us the freedom now to actually beat this, this battle. And so he says that that was, was God's plan. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus, who was sinless, came here. He grew up just like us, and he was a boy, and he grew up into a teenager, and into a man. He lived sinless, and yet the Bible says about him that he was made sin, who knew no sin. That we who are sinful, who have made mistakes, can be called righteous. And that's the craziest thing for me because I look at the mistakes I make on a regular basis. And I say, God, I don't deserve that. God, I really don't deserve your love, but I don't, I don't deserve the grace that you show. And God says, J.J., your, your past actions don't define you. What defines you is the relationship that you have with Jesus. And that can be our, the, the good things in our life or the bad things in our life. See, there are some that, that try to build themselves up religiously and look at all the good things that I'm doing, look at the way that I'm serving, look at the way that I'm giving. Those things don't define us either. Our good things don't define us. Our bad things don't define us. For some of you, you're sitting here right now and, and you're kind of wallowing in the guilt and the shame of life and, and, and you're, you're struggling because I made these past choices and I, can't, I don't have freedom to get past it. It's cyclical in my life. I make a mistake and, and I start to get out of it. I start to work myself out of it. But back in the back of my mind is always that mindset. I'm going to screw up. I've made mistakes and because of those mistakes, I'm going to keep making mistakes. And Jesus is coming to try to bring us freedom. He came to this earth, taking on the likeness of sinful flesh because he wanted to condemn, condemn sin in his flesh. 
Then it gets down to verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The idea of the law was to point to our need that we want to do things right and we, we want to pursue those things which are right, but we're going to make mistakes. And so the law was only fully completed when Jesus came and said, I'm going to take the punishment, I'm going to take the penalty. And once he took the penalty, it gives us the absolute freedom now. If we're in Christ, if we have faith in Christ, it gives us the freedom now to defeat and, and to be obedient to the law because we now have the choice. Before Christ, we didn't have a choice. Before Christ, we're, we're stuck in wallowing in the guilt and the shame but once I realized that, man, my, my, my relationship with God is not based upon what I do, but it's based entirely on what Jesus did, that sets me up. That frees me now to say I want to do the right thing. I want to pursue Christ. I want to have that right relationship. And, in fact, I want to live passionately because no longer am I going to allow my sins to define me. But instead now my relationship with Christ defines me. It is who I am. And once I have that Realization. Once I have that concrete uh, setting in my life, it frees me up to, to pursue Christ, to do the right thing, to even be obedient to what he has for us. Because now verses 6 through 8, we're going to see that kind of taking on, uh, once we have this teaching, once we have that firm foundation, what do we do? It says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We've, we've made these mistakes, and, and, and then we realize what it means to have a relationship with Christ, and that relationship frees us up. And once we have that freedom, then we have, there's still a battle. It doesn't, it doesn't free us from the battle. But we have the chance to no longer wallow in the guilt and the shame of our mistakes. You see, guilt and shame leads to some things in our life. Doing some research, looking at some different psychologists, looking at the damaging effects of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame leads to people, a lot of times, heavy guilt and shame leads to people that are just kind of destructive in their self-behaviors. It leads to drug abuse and alcohol abuse. It leads to, uh, to just really, really so low feelings of self-worth. Some people trying to rectify that, trying to fix it, throw themselves in their work, trying to find value in their life. So they become workaholics, and they, and they work all the time trying to, find, trying to find that value, trying to fix things in their life. Uh, there are some people who, because of guilt and shame, they feel like they're not worth good relationships, so they pursue poor relationships and, and ends up in, in really bad uh, abuse and, and, and sometimes even uh, them being destructive to the point of death in their life. Now, maybe in our life it's, it's not that bad, but it, it can be corrosive, it can be damaging. And so we want to extricate it, we want to remove this from our life. We want to say, God, I know this isn't what you have for me. Maybe I'm not living that destructive lifestyle, but I know that you have something more. I, I know that I want to pursue that something more in my life, but how do I get past that? How do, I, how do I alleviate this? Because I know that this is in my life. Four simple things I want to talk about. They're not simple necessarily to, to input in our life, but they're a simple process we go through uh, to get there. Number one, we've already talked about this a little bit, but putting them kind of... Uh, in order, number one, admit that we make mistakes and realize that others do too. Uh, best thing we could do right from the get-go is to say, I, I know I've made mistakes, and I regret those mistakes. Some good, well-intentioned people think they have, make statements where they say, I don't have any regrets in my life. And I understand what they're trying to say. They're trying to say that all of the choices of my life have gotten me where I am today, and that's, that's good, that's important for you. But when I say I have no regrets, I'm saying that 
At least I'm not aware of the people that I've hurt in the past that have been hurt because of me. I have regrets because I know that I've hurt people and I don't want to see them hurting. I know that I've hurt people that I care about. I don't want to see them hurting. And so because of that, there's things in my life that I wish I would have done differently. Those are regrets. And so regretting is just agreeing with God, God, I, I know what I did was wrong. And so I want to admit that I made a mistake and realize that others have to. Number two is confess that mistake to God and then to others. I think one of the most healing things we could do once we realize we made those mistakes is first to go to God and say, God, I, I know I have, I'm living with guilt and shame because of past actions. God, I need to come to you and apologize. And if there's someone I need to go fix it with, I need to go do that. Third thing is realize, despite our mistakes, that positionally, if we have a relationship with Christ, positionally we're still in Christ. Because of what he did, not because of what we did, we can't uh, lose that uh, standing because we screw up. And once we've done that, free ourselves up from the slavery of living for the flesh and focus on living for the spirit. If we do those four things, if we get those four things down, realize that we made a mistake, confess that sin to others, uh, realize positionally that it doesn't change us, we're still in Christ, and then free ourselves up. I think one of the best things we could do in life is just deal with the sin of the past and then toughen ourselves up and say we need to, we need to press on, we need to move on, we need to be stronger. We've all made mistakes, we've all lived lives, and, and we've, we've had those things, but our lives has gotten us to where we are today. And when we stop living in the guilt and the shame, we stop uh, living with the condemnation of the past, because Romans 8, 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Once we realize that, God does something in our life. God takes all those mistakes and says, I can now use those things. If you're done living in guilt and shame, if you're done with the stigmatism that comes with that, once you get that, and I'm going to free you up, and I'm going to allow those circumstances you've lived through to benefit the people around you. Earlier when I told the story about Kyle's guitar, I didn't tell the story just to tell the story. It, it is a cool story, don't get me wrong. But I didn't tell the story just to tell the story. I told the story because earlier this week, Kyle was sharing me, with me about the guitar. We were hanging out this week, and he was talking about the guitar he wanted to play this week. And, and as he shared that whole story, I said, man, that, that, that guitar, that's kind of a great analogy for where we're going with in, in the message this week. So cool how God kind of worked that thing out, because I didn't know prior to Tuesday or Wednesday night that he's going to be using this guitar. But the guitar sat there for 30 years unused in a shed. No one was playing it. No one was using it. It was, it was getting warped. It, was, it, it wasn't good. But in the hands of a master, that guitar was fixed. And he played it today, and it, and it sounded beautifully. And these are Kyle's words, not mine. But he said, you know, that guitar is not much to look at. But, man, it has such a great tone, such a great sound. And he said, the thing is, you can't replicate that. You, you can't go and, and, and purchase a guitar and make it sound just like that because part of the thing that makes that guitar sound like it does is all the years that have happened to that wood. Our lives, it's not that we don't have regrets, we do. We've made mistakes, we have to realize those mistakes. But part of getting past guilt and shame is to realize, man, God brought us through this journey to this point. Instead of those mistakes that we made tearing us apart, we can start to use those mistakes to the benefit of the people around us. We can, we can strengthen ourselves, do those, take those steps, fix things in our life. And once we've done that, 
God can use, as Kyle talked about, in in the hands of a master, this this guitar was restored, and it sounds like it does because of the aging process. In the hands of our master, we can be restored. And because of our aging process, because of the mistakes we made, God can use those mistakes. God says, I don't have to define you by those mistakes. Instead, I can use those mistakes in your life to bring about a beautiful message to bring about a beautiful sound. See, we've made mistakes. Some of our mistakes are much worse than others in terms of how the world sees them. Some of you sit here and say, J.J., you don't know my story. You don't know how bad it was. The Bible's full of people who made really, really bad mistakes, really, really poor decisions. But this is it. Grace stepped in and removed everything that shame brought. In your life right now, grace can step in and remove everything in your life that shame is bringing. Right now, there's an enemy out there and he's trying to attack and say, you're not worth anything and and you can't amount to anything and God could never use you. Look at all the past history you have. And Jesus steps in and says, grace steps in and removes all the stuff that shame brings. God wants to use you to tell his story. God wants to use you to engage this community, to let them know about his love. And your past actions, what you've done, or maybe stuff that's happened to you, doesn't have to define you, doesn't have to shame you. But instead, he can bring freedom and joy because of what he's done for you. Let's pray.